What's up, Star Wars fans? You are listening to the Man Brolorians. This is Gerard, and I am joined by my three fellow bro hosts, Daniel Leahy. Hey, what's up, guys? Daniel Miller. What's good? And Brian Karasik. Greetings, citizens of the Galactic Empire. Indeed. It's been quite a while, hasn't it, gents? It has. It's been way too long. A Definitely. couple of things have changed in the world since the last time we recorded one of these. But we, we don't have to get on that rabbit hole, but it's exciting. The Mandalorian is starting up again a week from Friday, season Thank two. Thank God. Yes. Mm-hmm. But we're going to do a, uh, figure we do a recap of season one. So we'll start with episodes one through four today, and then uh, we'll do another show with episodes four through eight, and that will be before the premiere of the new season. So looking forward to that. The rewatch was fun. We'll do something a little different this time. We'll have a, uh, before we review each episode, we're going to have Daniel Leahy read his uh, well-crafted synopsis of each episode, and then we're going to go into a little bit of a discussion. So I think that, uh, before we do that, maybe a little house cleaning or housekeeping, whatever you call it, go to the Alliance of Star Wars Fanatics on Facebook. That's our Facebook group. Don't forget Broaxium, uh, the quick shot, and that is uh, at Broaxium, basically everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, tons of stuff, good content. Can I just butter up Broaxium for a minute here? Because you guys are where I get the majority of my Star Wars news. Ever since you guys started doing that, just watching Daniel and Chris, you know, from a comic book shop, talk about comic book issues, Star Wars stuff coming up. I, I, I love that. You guys do good work. Makes me jealous. It's the only way I get a lot of comic stuff, just because things are so crazy and there's so much comic news that comes out. It's a good way to to get a uh, it's like a comic book smoothie for Star Wars. Only way to keep up. Yeah, Chris. Chris <laughs> is the uh, the the kung fu master when it comes to editing those videos. I love it. In fact, that's he what he's doing right job. now. Yeah, isn't actually it? he is. I mean, I gave <laughs> <As we> him speak. <laughs> I gave him some footage the other day, and uh, he's already cut the intros and stuff, and now he's doing his bit. It's. It's fun, man. We have a good time. I think it's awesome. You, you guys put together work you should be proud of. And if and if you're listening to this podcast, you are missing out if you aren't also watching Bro Axiom Quick Shots. Well, I'm sure Connor and Rui, um, they do watch Quick Shot. <laughs> 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 so our two biggest fans, mm-hmm. they get a kick out of that. But, yeah, so check it out and uh, plug it again at the end, too. But uh, why don't we rip into, rip into a Leahy synopsis and see what we got. All right. We're going to start with episode one. And we'll all just go around. We'll start. Uh, we'll start with Miller after I do the synopsis, and we'll just do general thoughts on you know the first episode. We'll talk for about ten minutes, and then we'll move on to the next one. Uh, so here we go. We'll get right into it. Episode one: The Mandalorian. On the far reaches of civilized space, deep in the outer rim, a lone Mandalorian gunslinger works as a bounty hunter to provide for his people. After being given a strange bounty by his handler, Grief Karga. He begins a journey tracking down an asset for an Imperial known only as the Client. With the help of the Ugnaught Hermit Quill and the assassin droid IG-11, the Mandalorian assaults a compound and acquires the asset, a mere child. That was sexy. That was beautiful, man. You're welcome. <laughs> so, so Miller, man, what, like this whole episode, what are you, when you went back and rewatched and you've had a year to absorb this, or almost a year, what what's really stuck with you about this one? So, all right, Liz, I know, Brian, it's so funny that you said you're sick of talking about it. But, like, so that first episode, I you got to think about how things get leaked so easily nowadays and how hard it is to keep a cap on anything special mm-hmm. when it comes to spoilers, leaks, people doing whatever like that work inside of these these masterpieces and then leak stuff out there and i'm watching this and i'm just like what? first off i'm i'm we're watching ig11 uh, me and julie literally watched one through three i haven't gotten a four yet i'm sorry but I, if you guys remind me i've seen it a bunch of times anyway so i'll be able to keep up mm-hmm. but still watching ig11 like i'm like he looks so real like everything looks so good and i'm like and she's super picky when it comes to like things looking real and like all the sci-fi stuff I watch and everything like that, you know, she's like, this looks so fake. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like IG 11 looks great. Like, and just the voicing with it. Like, I'm just like, this, this show is so good. And I keep listening to the music and I'm like, so God, good. This music is 
fantastic. It's like this tribal Western. I don't even know what's happening. It's like this smorgasbord of awesomeness with, and it feels like Star Wars. And obviously, when I come to think of the last part of it, I'm just like, how did they keep Baby Yoda a secret like that? Like, I think Favreau installs bombs in the heads of his cast. And, yeah, and the it's world like it scanners exploded. Exploded. I don't think they. I don't know if they knew that was going to happen, but how they kept that so locked up, it just blows my mind that nothing, not one iota, nobody, no one besides who was working on that project knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know how that happened? They didn't have any merch ready because that would have leaked. I think that's charming, too. The number of people who went from complaining about Disney doing cash grabs, this and that, to I have to buy 17 different versions of the child. Oh, Baby Yoda t-shirts, Baby Yoda figures. It's, I mean, it's... I'm a cynic. I'm not going to complain about it though. It's a it's a great product. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, when you can buy a when you can buy a little baby Yoda doll in Costco, you've reached I think market saturation and people can't get enough. I think they're great. I love the Black Series one is to scale. You know, this teeny little <laughs> Black Series Yoda uh, uh, child. Do I we just, have a species name on that species? We yet? don't yet. Or I nor just, a planet. Just so, the just the child. Just the child. You know what? I I'm okay with never knowing that. My closing thoughts on the whole episode is just groundbreaking, though. Like, it, it for Star Wars. Like, yeah. Star Wars media, like, everything. Like, it was groundbreaking with, with doing the episodes and then just the way they've been doing it. It's mm-hmm. brought us on a whole other level of how do we enjoy our content when it comes to Star Wars. And it's just amazing. You know, you know Liam was going to come on and tell us what his favorite part was, but he got nervous. Mm-hmm. But he told me what it was, and it was in this episode. He said his favorite part is the man. The Mandalorian's his new favorite Star Wars character, first of all. Mm-hmm. And when uh, what's his face, the blue Will? guy got fr- he got frozen uh, in the uh, carbonite. The, the Mithril. He doesn't have a name. He's just called the Mithril. He's it's uh, Horatio Sands' character. Yeah, yeah. He's which awesome. I, I can't believe. I won't. Yeah, I won't, don't I'll walk on the talking. ice. Yeah. That's the understanding yeah. of the millennium. <laughs> it's so good, but he loves that character, and he loves when he gets frozen. Why does Liam love when he gets frozen in carbonite? That's what I'm like. I mean, that's cool. It's, and everything, a, but it's a fun moment. I don't know. I love is. that opening scene. If you, if it was you guys, so good. yeah. That, so to me, this episode, uh, I, I got to watch it with my buddy Jack, who when we first watched it, who let me into the Mandalorian panel. He had an extra ticket at Celebration, so like shout oh, out I to remember you, Jack. That. And, uh, so and just that first line that he says, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. And then it goes to like the, the title screen and you're just like, Whoa! oh my God. <laughs> it just, they came out guns blazing. And this, this slow, this show has a slower burn, I think, than people will admit. But it still is just so, so well done. I mean, for our first live-action Star Wars, I just think it's a knockout of the park. And this first episode had so much riding on it. I mean, us as Star Wars fans all are very cognizant of how critical first episodes of things are and first seasons of things are. So this, was, to me, was just... I was, I'm so over the moon that it's universally loved and accepted in the Star Wars community and in pop culture, too. You have people, you know, on Barstool Sports doing podcasts about it when it's a you know, Star Wars show. So I just really loved uh, that aspect of it that it's that they just did such a good job. You know, Miller talked about the CGI and the practical effects, and, and all, that all came together in probably the most seamless way we've ever seen in a Star Wars project. Um, but to me, the 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 music transcends as something that's unique, uh, as well as I mean, just this this first episode. I mean, so many people loved that music. Oh my gosh. The music. Shout out to Ludwig Jorgensen. I could, I don't know how to pronounce. I don't that say names anymore that I know I can't say because I <laughs> messed up uh, Taika Watiti's name, and I'm never gonna try to like say did, someone's did Twitter name. Twitter. To be well. fair, he has a very easy to mess up name though. I, I think said both of them at the same time. Yeah. I screwed up and said both of them at the same. I said Takiti. I was like, what is that? What is is that like a roll or something? To eat? We knew what you meant. What, what yeah. about what about Dennis Mowers in the music he made for us? It's Let's actually how cool awesome. that is. Yeah, shout out to Dennis. I know Dennis loves Dennis, this, uh, the score quite a bit. Um, Brian, I, I had a question for you. In terms of what this this first episode does for um, a new era of Star Wars, because uh, to keep in mind for all of us, this is the first thing between six and seven 
that we got that's live action at all. And I know you're a big picture galactic scale empire guy. I was curious what you thought of how this episode framed where the galactic events have led us up to, I think it's five years after episode six. Well, naturally that was, uh, my first interest is, is in meeting Werner Herzog's client. Uh, so, so well done. And you can't like Herzog can't do anything wrong as long as you cast him as that exact character. Yeah. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's been Werner Herzog in Parks and Recreation <laughs> in the Jack Reacher film. Uh, you know, like every film he narrates, he's always just that same. And he knows it. I mean, he plays off it. Uh, and <laughs> he was I mean, in that you, Tom Cruise movie with the, uh, he was like the military Jack guy. Reacher. Yes. Yeah. He played yeah. Zek the prisoner. Um, awesome. Yeah, he was, uh, I mean, he, he's a brilliant actor, but I just liked his, his portrayal. So the interesting thing to me about the Empire is, and throughout the, the lifespan of the Galactic Empire, power de- derived entirely from the Emperor. Your proximity to Palpatine is exactly how powerful you are. There is no other measurement. And we see that in every Thrawn book where Thrawn gets away with talking smack to Vader, or as I like to put it, just dunking on him constantly. And Vader can't do anything because he's sort of, he's not really sure. Oh, I think Thrawn kind of has the Empire's ear more than I do, so I'm not sure I can risk killing him. So you end up with three or four different scenes where Thrawn talks smack to Vader. Vader angrily fondles his lightsaber and does nothing with it. Mm-hmm. And that's just indicative of everyone in the Empire relies entirely on how close they are to Palpatine, how much of Palpatine's ear they have. And now Palpatine is gone. Mm-hmm. And in any Empire, just because you cut off the head, the rest of the body doesn't die. It's an ant hive. It's not a snake. And so even in, in the extended universe, we had dozens of moths and, and governors and suzerains and imperators and like all these little crazy ruler titles that they made up claiming, okay, well, now I'm the emperor. You know, like I was closer to the emperor. I was closer to the emperor. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the client really represents that well as, you know, we don't have a sense that this guy is the empire and he doesn't, but he's got stormtroopers that work for him. He's got a really impressive medal. Where can I get one of those, by the way? <laughs> so he really... It's the first window that we see into what happened after the fall of the Empire. And we do, in Empire's End, the trilogy by Chuck Wendig, which, as I've always said, is one good book spread over three. Um, I didn't like some of it. I thought it was kind of missable. I did like Nima the Hutt. But regardless, um, you know, we see that the Emperor had this plan whereby, okay, if I'm off the table, the whole table goes away. So he basically sent the entirety of the Imperial force into the unknown space to basically to just wither and die. But apparently they didn't all go. So we get to see kind of dirtbag stormtroopers. I'm going to say like, keep the armor clean guys. What's the deal? Like what else have you got to do aside from polish the armor? But they're kind of, kind of broke down, you know, a little, little scummy uniforms there. It's all right. I know it's a dirty planet, but you know, they made it work on Tatooine. I feel like you can keep clean it up a little bit mm-hmm. square yourself away. But that's kind of that was the first thing that I was drawn to in the show, and to kind of draw on that, I, I think if the original trilogy drew on Kurosawa, I think this draws just as strongly, if not more so, on Sergio Leone's Spaghetti Western. It's just like that whole feel of uh, one, one of you guys mentioned it was a you know it was a, it's a western and it's a it's a beautiful beautiful addition to the Star Wars uh, canon. I, I couldn't be happier with it. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I went in a little smirking, like, yeah, you know, you're not going to have any red lightsabers or black cloaks. What do they got for me? But right sure. on right on target. And I think, Daniel, you really said it well, uh, Miller. I've always, I didn't know that I noticed this, but now that I see the difference, I've always noticed that droids in Star Wars are obviously a guy in a suit. It's a robot walking like a guy dressed like a robot. Sure. And then we see IG-11 with this fluid, mechanical, just oh. murderous, smooth, and it's exactly oh. like a murder bot would function. I want to put if one you've on ever watched, my car. If you've ever watched these, like, the robot dog things that, like, DARPA's making. Yes. 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 Kind of yes. how it looks. You know, like, this is, he's. A little he herky-jerky. Yeah, you can see it. It's a smooth, it's a machine. It's not a guy in a suit, and it just sold me completely on it. I was on board and I was a little I was a, a little disappointed that IG11 was put out of commission so quickly in the first episode and I made jokes like what is the IG11 cuz that's how many minutes he's on screen before he dies and like I kind of felt bad for all the people who'd bought IG11 merch 
like I did with C2B5. Um, but, I, knew this would, I knew this would come back. I knew it. Um, a little, little backstory. I bought five different C2B5 figures. Two of them are Japanese exclusives. I was so excited for an Imperial Astromech to be in so Rogue vividly. One. And then they cut him out of the movie. But no, I it's I mean, I couldn't I was looking for something to be disappointed in and, and I couldn't find it at all. It was just such an amazing piece. Pedro Pascal is, is amazing. I do want to shout out I I hoped we were seeing a trend when we saw Brian Posehn as a speeder driver. Because mm-hmm. putting a stand up comic in Star Wars is, is is just close to my heart. I love that. I love it. There's a lot. They use this plan this episode actually, yeah. or well, in the series as a yeah. whole so far. He, There's a lot of later fun we'll see cameos. Bill Burr and um, yep. I the love the best. way he says stink pit. The, yeah, the driver of the the the, the 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 speeder taxi right at the beginning of the episode that takes the Mandalorian and uh, the Mithril Horatio Sands to his Posein. ship. That guy, that guy's a uh, oh that's po- is that's Posehn. Yeah, yeah. okay. So in, in this one, I'm actually I've got a running tally. In this one, we've got Brian Posehn and Horatio Sands. Yep. Um, there are no comics in episode two or three, but later on we'll see some more. We see um, we see Bill Burr, and uh, we see uh, um, Jerry Blank from Strangers with Candy. She's the uh, uh, the junkyard dealer that has the little junk bots from from tattooing. But we'll we'll get to that later. Anyway, I, yeah. I'll, I'll wrap up here because I do tend to hold forth. Um, <laughs> I I thought it was great. I loved how we see just a sliver of the empire remaining, you know, like, Hey, this is the power we've got. These stormtroopers have obviously like, all right, this is, you know, this, this is what we done, dude. Like empire's mm-hmm. gone. I don't care. I still got the armor. I still got the blaster. This guy says he's in charge. He's in charge. Mm-hmm. RG, what do you, what do you think about this first episode? Well, first thing I want to let everybody know that what you just experienced is you've heard the term rabbit hole. That was the Karasik hole. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you probably should. Um, um, I liked it. It was. I mean, you're episode. not wrong. You know, don't cut out <laughs> <Yeah>. on my account. <laughs> no, I, I, I did. I liked the episode. I mean, it was just so much stuff. I felt like overwhelmed again. You know, yeah, it's over. Rewatch. There was just so many things that happened, and you know, obviously the child at the end. I mean, if I had to pick one thing, I believe I said this the first time we talked about this episode. Like, that was just. I know some people are sick of it, and I can see that at this point. But at that time, man. Whew, Mind blown. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Was, uh, it, it was, was really just cool. what the franchise needed, honestly. I mean, yeah. it really was. It was so rare to see something like that introduced. And I saw almost no cynicism of like, oh, they just want to sell toys. Like we saw that in, with Ewoks and, you know, yeah. the different. Yeah, they weren't even prepared to, to sell the toys. No. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exa- and I yeah. think that's why they did it. I, I mean, they put I, the story before profit. Yeah. Right. I think, but which, but let's not, maybe let's they don't not always do. Convince Brian's, like, Brian's it, like, hey, 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 hey. They have yeah, sold still a lot of them. Money. But, yeah. I, but I think it was great that they did introduce such an such a marketable character in wow. such a way. They're like, all right, you know, you'll, you'll get the toys, guys. Let's just watch the show first. And a, yeah. a risky and character. His at little, that. his little bitty hand. It was adorable. I, 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 I was the, the the symbolism is phenomenal. So speaking see, speaking of the the child that that goes right into uh, episode two, um, the child is the title. Let me let me uh, read you guys the brief synopsis of this, and then we'll go into it. We'll start with G this time, and then we'll we'll, we'll go through the order again. Um, all right, episode two. The Child. Chapter 2, The Child, I should say. <laughs> such a great episode. While returning to his ship, a group of fellow hunters attempt to kill him and the child. In- insult to injury is added as he discovers his ship to be ransacked by Jawas. Recruiting the help of Quill once again, he strikes a deal with the desert creatures to acquire the egg of a mudhorn in exchange for the parts of his ship. A moment before the Mandalorian is to be killed by the beast, the child exhibits a strange power that saves the Mandalorian, and allows him to kill the Mudhorn and complete his mission. Bro, Ooh. that Trandoshan scene was so dope. <laughs> it was, it so was awesome. I, th- so this episode, uh, G, I, I want to I wanna speak to how, like you were just talking about the child. You really get to know him more in this episode. And I, I just want to hear your thoughts on what your journey was, both the first time you watched it and on the rewatch and how you've grown with the character with the progression of things you get to learn about the child. What was your experience like? It's weird only having two episodes, but already thinking that this character is like the most sacred thing in Star Wars besides Anakin Skywalker to me. Mm-hmm. You just immediately fall in love with that little green, handsome little devil. It's the eyes. 
all the eyes. Oh, they're so big. <laughs> and so expressive. They're so big that at one point when I was watching with Liam yesterday, he goes, hey, Dad, rewind it. He goes, look, I, there's a little bit of white on his eye on the side. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I go, and I like the, the like, shots where it's just his eyes above the, uh, the you know. <clears throat> Adorable. But my- Favreau knows what he's doing to us, you guys. Yeah, he's one of us. He's just edging us with the child. Like we're just gonna see where we are for the rest of the the whole rest of the show. My the standout things for me, if I had a, as far as the the child, him using the force, in that, was just sure. amazing. And then his little body giving out because he used up all his little force energy. He had to take a nap for a while. Mando's like. He's still sleeping. I don't know what the heck's wrong with this thing, but they just keep checking on him, and he's just sitting there snoring like a hand, cute little child. Yeah, I, seeing him use the Force, was that was awesome. But Suga! I, oh, Suga. Yeah. I did like the vaporizing of the Jawas, too. Oh, those annoying little best. pieces of crap, I hate them. They've been the worst since the first movie. Like they're just the worst. I, well, and, it, and this I show does love them in this though, man. It's great. Like, they're the they best. Were, yeah, well, you, the need, you need them like, in there, but you yeah. don't feel bad when they get aced. You know yeah. what I mean? I have two of those yeah, figures. Exactly. Two of those Black Series off-world Jawa figures. It's all of them Jawas. Like they. Just... <laughs> I I believe this is the first time that we've even established Jawas ever leave Tatooine. Is that is that? Does anybody disagree with me on that? I believe so. With the the uh, there's a reference to. Uh, but, you want another cup of Jawa juice in episode yeah, two? But like that's just like a reference to like a thing that they might have made. But yeah, this is it didn't surprise me because in the video game Force Unleashed, they're on like a trash planet. And I was like, ah, oh, so Jawas are just kind of like junk oh, dealers crap, all right. over that's the universe. Right. So like that's I was right. like I when I saw them in the Mando, I was like, Oh well it just makes sense. Raxus Prime. It's that Raxus Prime. Raxus Prime, bro. Reference to it. I completely I've, forgot I've made I've made some jokes with people who say who claim that the video games are all canon. It's like, oh right, of course. I forgot about I that time it. when when uh, when Ray and Ahsoka killed Palpatine on Hoth. I forgot the, the video games are, are canon. That's right. Um, so, but no, Ryan, I, I, I didn't to... know that. I didn't play the video game. But I I I love Jawas. I think they're great. And honestly, I'm toying with a, a Jawa costume for my daughter next year because she just loves droids. She has a collection of. Five different BB-8s and a BB-9 and a DO. She's just like she loves them. Where's my little droid buddy? She goes. We got to get her backpack to carry the droids around wherever we go. That'll be awesome. So Miller, Miller, I wanted to ask you. So, so one thing this episode does that I noticed is uh, it, it takes the show continuously takes takes risks. But I think this episode does quite a few of them in a pretty bold way, pretty quick. So for example, like when we were just talking about the Jawas getting disintegrated, no disintegrations. Like it's an answer to that weird throwaway question and another thing that is is given to us is not only is there this little baby yoda creature character but he can use the force and i just want i want to know if there's any other cool inclusions and answers to things throughout the star wars canon that, that no disintegration things and what your specific thoughts were on the child using the force i never would have thought of that that was a what good one. the no disintegrations thing yeah yeah i mean i didn't i it just it's a nod yeah, it's definitely a nod. Um, I mean, with the child using the force, that was that was great. And I was like thinking the whole time, I was like, was that instinctive? Like, did he just? But like when he was sitting by the fire in the first episode, and he was walking, I was like, this kid is gonna heal him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there is. I, I I just like had this feeling that that was gonna be a thing. And when he used the force, I was like, it just it didn't surprise me because I was like, well, he's like a little Yoda creature. Like he's <laughs> definitely, uh, you know, has an affinity for the force. Um, did, but I was still just like, wow, he's picking this huge mud horn. It's just stopped this thing right in its freaking tracks. Like and at first I thought he was using that like thing that Anakin does to the um, whatever it is uh, in Attack of the Clones. Um, in the Geonosis where they're in the pit and he's he's like got the mind meld going on with the freaking uh, one beast and then he jumps on it and uses it. Um, I thought that's what Baby Yoda was kind of doing. I thought he was just like in its head. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then I realized he was just stopping him dead and picking him up. But I, I thought it was cool that they used an ugly, dirty creature like that. Like they could have gone with some sort of dragony thing. And of course, later we learned the Mudhorn becomes the sigil of the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it's a it was a nice pull. It's not what I would have expected, but 
with your other part of the question though um i i don't know if this really counts but i mean like with the jawas like i i was so happy to see that they were like these creatures that are all over the galaxy that are just like they f- screw with everybody man like <laughs> they, they they will t- completely like uh, oh another thing is like um in in a new hope like he's shooing the jawas away from his speeder and we're like why are they doing that well you find out because they completely stripped the razor crest you know what I mean? You find out That's that these so dudes great. are thieves, and like you didn't know that, like in the movie, really. You just knew that they were like these junk dealers that like take like droids stranded out in the open. Have you guys but read fact a certain point of view? What the the uh, anthology book? A certain point of view? No, I haven't read that. There oh. is a story in that which is from the point of view of a Jawa, the one who mm-hmm. who finds R two, and and like learns about the he like he sees this Jawa sees the recording of Leia before. Luke does mm-hmm. and they talk a little bit about Jawa culture like their religion uh, claims that holds that there's more starships in the sands of Tatooine than there are in space which could be true and yeah. uh, they just they basically they have this th- there is no such thing as ownership if you're not holding something you don't own it mm-hmm. and which is why they're so you know, street law yeah, there's, yeah. yeah they're so uh, quick to strip things off yeah, and they're then, awesome. Uh, I was glad to see them on there, and I really, I really like the the sand crawler design. Uh, part of that story is this one Jawa's like found this little secret corner where he can keep his stuff, and it's almost heretical that he <laughs> thinks of anything as his. Like That's he's got great. Like, work his way behind a panel and like watch holovids on this projector he's got. It's uh that's my favorite from a certain point of view story in that book. And yeah, I'm likewise. so glad that we're getting an Empire Strikes Back one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy about it. Do you, are you, um, sort of off topic, but just while we're on that book, you guys have, have read or at least are familiar with the William Shakespeare's Star Wars? Yeah, I have the Phantom Menace one. Okay, so... I, I don't have the rest of the series. The, I, I have several of them. I haven't collected them all. But in that same book, that author has a like a four-page soliloquy that's just Palpatine musing on what it means that Kenobi disappeared instead of dying. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's pure Shakespeare. It's really brilliantly done. I want to I want to learn it. I want to get off book on that so that I can just deliver that at some point in costume. It's a great. <laughs> you so Absolutely. would too. So something. Yeah, all right. So the thing I really that we're talking grand themes, things that we learned and really noticed after rewatch. Something I really was thinking about today after rewatching this episode last night was that episode one just blows the world up. It, it, it builds this huge section of the Star Wars galaxy for this show to live in and gives us a lot. Like it's over, G used the phrase overwhelming. It was, it's really is overwhelming. Even every time I rewatch it, I'm like, this is so much. Like I want to write down all these notes. What this episode does is the Mandalorian is just trapped on one planet and it brings everything down to scale and it makes the universe a little smaller and sometimes that's a bad thing but i think in this case it's it's good you know you get jawas you get an ugnot you get um uh those bounty hunters i'm totally blanking on this species trans trans oceans yes you get trans oceans and then and i just i love that they weren't afraid to give us a lot and then really let the characters grow in this small form it's like those game of thrones episodes where you know it's just aria and um, the hound just like riding all episode where you're, it's just them talking, but it's just brilliant. You know, you're learning so much about the characters more so than when they're in battles and everything. Um, my other favorite thing that I thought uh, this episode did really well is to knock it back from how serious episode one could be. And the amount of humor in episode two is so good. Suga! 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 And what, what, what is this egg? When, like When they were the throwing crap plot. at them? Off the off the sand crawler, the the sand crawler <laughs> with the just like yeah, Jawas with the 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 sun deck. They're out there grilling bantha steaks. When he's like, in the just... sand crawler and they the the one Jawa looks like right over at him and they make eye contact and he's like Suga Suga <laughs> and goes back to driving. I was like, and, that and is awesome. The, the, and he's crouched in the little control deck and then they hit a bump and he hits his head and they all laugh <laughs> in the background at him. Like this is so yeah, good. The giant <laughs> Cadbury space egg. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, the fact that they just want to eat it and they're just like, just I know, we just want an out. omelet, guys. Like, we'll yeah. give your shit back. He just takes a little cutlass and just cuts it open and he's. Oh my God, it's just phenomenal. I mean, it, it was just a great episode in terms of uh, how well you can balance different elements of storytelling. And I just, I, I appreciate it. it. It was such a great addition to the first one. I remember after this episode just being like, oh my gosh, all right, this show is for real. Like, this is, this is a hit here. Um, but yeah, that's all I had. Does anyone else have any any other thoughts on the episode we didn't talk about, and then we can move on to uh, episode three? I think we hit that one pretty good. All right, I will go ahead and um, and read us off the uh, synopsis of chapter three: the sin. A consummate professional, the bounty hunter returns the asset to the client, but as the Mandalorian settles in with his bounty of Beskar. His honor is tested as he confronts the sin of giving up the child to the Imperial Remnant. With his body and his spirit recast in the true way of the Mandalore, the Mandalorian enters a crusade to rescue the child, miraculously escaping the clutches of the Empire and his fellow guild members with the help of his Mandalorian culvert. Well done. All right. Nicely. All right, G. What? Tell me, because I know, I know you loved when in a very very favreau marvel fashion the mandalorians come in at the end and i know we're jumping way to the end of the episode but it's just it's just such a john wick style episode that i wanted to kind of talk about the end so we have we really flesh it out so what 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 was going through your head when you see this insane mandalorian battle that we've never gotten to see ever before except in clone wars well at the end of that He's behind that speeder, and he just keeps looking at the the child, and, you, and he's probably like, "Yep, well, this was a bad idea. I'm screwed." Mm-hmm. And then you hear a rocket, and then everything just goes bat crap crazy, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. They just lighten it up. Them and their jetpacks. Only thing I didn't like about those guys, I shouldn't say I don't didn't like it, but I wasn't a huge fan of the salute at the end. Sure. I, I, I could have done that. Combat's that mean. Daniel but, are talking about before we yeah, recorded, but it was, yeah, you know, it was, it was nice. It was John Favreau too, so we, yeah, he gets a pass. But uh, yeah, it was. All right, so that so was great. I loved it. In terms of uh, the 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 way this episode is structured, it's so different from the other ones. I know I mentioned it before. You have, you, you see this internal struggle. And uh, Brian, I know you're someone that appreciates the the struggle that characters go through that build them into their final form, especially with the characters you and I like, especially the dark side ones are 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 made. You know, they're not born like that. Um, I want to know your thoughts just as you see the Mandalorian struggle through this episode and then ultimately have a moment where he decides to do the right thing. Okay, so I really enjoyed seeing him tussle with that. And for a mm-hmm. brief period, I thought him being the consummate professional, he was going to return the best car and, and then fight his way out with the child. Sure. I'm glad he kept the best car. <laughs> I think yeah. that would have been a dumb move. <laughs> I hate when in any media, I hate to see the protagonist do something stupid or harmful to themselves because it's the right thing to do. Sure. Screw that. Steal from the Empire. This client wants to experiment on a little kid and look at him. I mean, and folks folks at home, you may not know me, but it's very odd and unusual to find me sympathizing with the protagonist who's on the light side. And I love that little frog guy. He's adorable. So seeing, seeing Mando, even at delivery of the package, he's waffling. He's like, so... What are you, you going to do with him? You know, like, what, what's mm-hmm. all this about? Like, it's not your concern. And, uh, you know, he's <laughs> he's just, you can see him even through the mask. And, and I don't know which actor is in the armor at that point, but they're doing great. Because mm-hmm. the, the physicality of the Mando, you can't see his face. It's the expressionless mask. But you can see him having doubt. You can hear it in Pascal's delivery. He does such a good job of realizing, you know, like, I've lived my whole life do the job, get the pay, move to the next job. But here, here is my opportunity to be a part of something greater in the galaxy. This is obviously something special. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mando's not gotten as far as he has by being a lunkhead. He knows there's something key. Events are turning on his actions. 
and to see him come back in there and fight his way out and adopt this kid essentially and is this the first time we get flashes of his own youth or is that later in the show uh, i think it's like every you, time he gets armor made yeah <clears throat> every armor moment you okay get, yeah. yeah you got the cutscene legit ones yeah in yeah this one. mm-hmm. and and we see a little bit more about mandalorian culture and i'll be honest with you i was sort of sick of mandalorians by the end of clone wars mm-hmm. you know sabine wren kind of wrecked it for me i really liked uh fett in in empire but by the time the original trilogy was over us I'm, I'm over it you know like he's mm-hmm. we don't see him do any of the cool things that he ostensibly does I, I moved past it and i was excited to see more mandalorians but i thought they maybe overplayed their hands a little bit in clone wars at least for me i'm and i'm sure i'm probably objectively wrong in that but i i did not care quite so much about the the lore of mandalore but uh learning about it through the lens of this show back on board sure and that's what i want to i want to ask miller about is because miller your journey as a fan is so ingrained in uh all the expanded media and learning as much as you can about everything that's going on so something that i really noticed in the rewatch of this one was how many references there were to expanded materials like the clone wars comics that sort of thing what what stuff really stood out to you as great references they used to tie into this episode and how did that impact your overall enjoyment of it? Well, I mean, once we saw, and uh, when I heard Filoni's voice in the heavy Mando, it kind of made me think of Visla. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh my God. That, Cause like, I think he does the voice. Um, Filoni does the voice in the clone wars too. I think. Oh, you're, you're talking about, um, uh, Favreau. You mean? Yeah. Fa- Fa- yeah, yeah, Favreau. yeah. 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 I'm sorry. It's, sorry. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that like he does that voice as well. So I was like instantly, mm-hmm. I was like, no way. I was like, there's, I, you feel those connections instantly. Um, and I love the Clone Wars. It's one of the best pieces of Star Wars content ever. Like, it's so good. And I know Brian, like, it did, like, they did get heavy handed with the Mando stuff, but you know, they got to do something. I don't hold it against them. I mean, yeah, it's, it's still, I, I, I still I, love the show. Yeah, and like I'm excited to see um, Bo-Katan, uh, you know, and everything like that. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's it's been a, it's been a it's it's been something because I want to learn about the whole like purge. We didn't see any of that, right? Like, we haven't seen any of that stuff. You you get we've gotten pieces of the Empire manipulating Mandalore. I mean, you see. You know, Mandalore just, man, talk about a society that, you know, keeps keeps electing like the wrong leaders or letting them, uh, getting behind the wrong leaders. The Mandalorian's like, my God, guys. I'm between Maul and uh, Previsla and, you know, them. Well, they just culturally value things that don't lead to good leadership. That's true. That's true. Ruthless violence is not always the best way to run a a planet. Uh, I mean, as a whole, the the inclusion of the the Mandalorians being a major theme of this, I mean, I, that strikes me as incredibly bold. You know, being the first live action Star Wars film. I mean, we heard of the previous one that George Lucas wanted to do, which was you know Underworld and Dark Times, Palpatine, Vader stuff. Which I know Brian and I, you know, wish we had a time machine to go back and talk some investors into you know wanting to do that, but not hearing what he was going to do with it. Oh, really? No, he wanted. Oh to, yeah, there's some. Well, I mean, those are still. Palpatine you know, got his heart broken in high school and thus became a dark side. Well, who didn't? Um, <laughs> right, get over it, <laughs> Lucas. Yeah, right. So I, I mean, did you guys think? Did you guys think that was that was bold to you? I mean, to me, it was because I was never a Mandalorian. Mandalorian guy, you know, in the fandom, that was kind of like its own subset where I'm kind of like they're like, oh yeah, you know, green means. You are like this. I'm like, I don't know. It's uh, like, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go build lightsabers and talk about the Sith with Brian. I don't know. <laughs> so like, it was just such a bold thing. I mean, do you think it's doing justice to that culture? I know, I know none of us are really Mandalorian dudes, right? Like we're not people that really studied that part of the fandom. Well, it didn't used before. to be. <laughs> well, you didn't used to be. Right? Yeah. yeah. I never I'm, heard I'm anything turn, about turn different colors mean different things. As far as I can tell, the Mandalorian armor is just colored whatever you felt like painting it. 
I feel like the well, the Death Watch all had like similar color. I mean, it, to me, it doesn't matter. That, that it's one of those things that I don't care. I don't. Yeah, care. it's exactly. not. I'm not going to be asleep at night thinking about you know. I don't even care for them. Different lightsaber colors mean different things. Like no, oh. I, don't, I don't buy that. How dare you! I will tell uh, you this one thing about. <laughs> there's only one lightsaber episode. color that matters. Daniel's like my religion. He just attacked my religion. <laughs> I I like. As far as like the Mando culture of, aspect of it, learning more about like a foundling, and the fact that the Mando is a foundling, I think is a huge part of why he's like conflicted with the child because mm-hmm. he was abandoned, and well, not abandoned, but he was he was left alone is what what it seems like. It, I would, based on what we've seen, I would think that his parents were killed, and that's why he became a foundling, and right. you know, so he's probably got a different attitude towards it than would be. You know Favreau's character. You know he would be more the Mando. You know, we we kill stuff and you know and we smash things and that's what Mandos mm-hmm. do. This show answers some Mando stuff that I hadn't seen answered before. Namely, is it a species? Like, are you a Mandalorian because right. you are descended from Mandalorians, or are sure. you a Mandalorian because you grew up on Mandalore, or what? And it's apparently by the I end of the show we learn it's things right. It's it's a it's a way of life, not a bloodline. And I think Put the that's, helmet on and. I think that's cool. Interesting. You mentioned the helmet on. Uh, but like, I wonder if there's actual people that are from Mandalore that don't wear the armor and stuff. Well, there are. I mean, you see that in Clone Wars, but of course that's I them trying to be that pacifist all. society. Yeah, that's that's like a different. Okay. Are there Klingons that don't fight? Uh, I don't know. I right. Just, yeah. Right. I I was curious about that too because um, in Clone Wars, obviously Mandalorians take their helmets off all the time. Mm-hmm. And by the time we're at this show, it's a it's a, a life or death issue. It's a and good point. I Mando was, I, is on the verge man. of dying rather what the than have his helmet removed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, I think, and, and I don't know if this has been stated, I think whatever happened in The Purge, the Empire's ab- abuse, if not outright destruction of Mandalore, I think they're not taking their helmets off until the war is won, and the war is mm. still ongoing for them. Mm. It's a good I like that. It's just a guess. That uh, just sounds. I think I mean, that's that a good. Sounds right. It, and I, and we'll have definitely on the next episode a more nuanced conversation of Mandalorian culture, and especially like uh, the Mandalorians' past, because there, we get some reveals in like, I think it's episode five or six. Uh, yeah, six, five or six that you get like that full sequence of his capture and everything. But uh, we're we're kind of at time for this one, so I'm going to move on to chapter four, which um, I will read the summary I wrote. In a second. This one is Chapter 4, Sanctuary. The Mandalorian travels to the planet Sorgan to find Sanctuary. While hiding out in a farming village, peace continues to elude our hero. Teaming up with the ex-rebel shock trooper Cara Dune, they manage to save the village and its people. But as bounty hunters continue to chase and hunt them, the Mandalorian moves on once again in search of peace for the child. This is the way. This is the way. I like your synopsis. So this one, I mean, this one takes a turn. I mean, it's it's very much the first three episodes are kind of like an arc. In this one, as we see, as we will see as we go over the rest of the episodes, kind of stands on its own. We don't ever, you know, return to this planet. It's a bit and of a bottle episode. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I really enjoyed some of the cool, uh, some of the symbolism of it, and some of the the references, like the the Jurassic Park vibes were very apparent, especially with the the director of the episode being of such. Um, I, I just, I, uh, I want to talk about more, and this is more of like a world building thing and whoever wants to take this one can take it, but the inclusion of Cara Dune, this is our first, I mean, this is like a co-star of the show, you know, on all the posters, you know, this is our first meeting of her. So what was everyone's first impressions of that character? She is tough. Yeah. Pretty PA. (laughs) She could fight. Yeah. (laughs) I was excited to see another rebel trooper, even a veteran. Mm-hmm. Uh, who will do what it takes to get the job done? Mm-hmm. Shades of um, Cassian in uh, in Rogue One, mm-hmm. killing his informant when he became inconvenient. Hey, good at the rebellion, sorry, buddy. And you know, to see an actual rebel trooper who is good at stuff and, uh, and and ruthless about it, I think that's great. It adds it adds a lot more depth to you know what forty years ago was the shining white knights. You know. No, nobody. She's thinks... aligns much more with your personal beliefs. 
Yeah, you're being right. That and ruthless. Nobody thinks that they're a villain <laughs> in their way. own story. Everybody, everybody is their own hero, especially in war. But you know, mm-hmm. you're not the hero to the person you killed. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really fascinating, like, and and you know, which is not to malign her in any way. I think she's obviously a good person with noble goals. But having a noble goal doesn't have to negate doing some ignoble things on the way to it. Sure. I mean, I. Uh... Also, just cool to see a, a, a woman kicking ass on on screen. Like she just really brings it. It's a refreshing, and I and I know it's a something people will harp on and be like, "All right, you know, we don't need you to say it's a strong woman character." Well, like this is like a different type of female character that we've ever seen. I mean, she just wrecks shop. I mean, she's constantly beating the crap out of people the whole rest of the series. And yeah, you know, what, from the what she was doing that thing where you're like like handcuffed to each other and you have to beat the crap out of each other. Oh, that was so cool! With right, the, yeah, the, the knife, the, 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 the vibra like, knife. It's like it's like a vibra. Like remember in Clone Wars, they had like the light whips. Yeah, they, they like hit the slaves with. It was like that. Yeah, that was so cool. I, I mean, me and my brothers used to do right something back like in that the, in our garage <laughs> when we were in high school. <laughs> yeah, Gina Carano's right back in the in the UFC ring in this episode, which I thought was great. <laughs> Probably I mean, a bottle a bottle of liquor of some kind. Though. We previously <laughs> saw her in the Deadpool movie, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She plays. Um, I don't remember her character, but uh, yeah, she's the generic, one generic, uh, invulnerable, strong, strong character. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm yeah, punching people I, on screen again. Really enjoyed seeing her work. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, I think her acting is a lot better than people give her credit for. To be honest with you, I, I you know, I it's uh, it's a point of um, criticism. I think this episode was the first one. I think that was not as well received. But I push back against that quite a bit because I think we needed a refreshing new vignette in a, in the canon of this story. So. We had just gotten this whole, just cr- huge, overwhelming amount of information about the Mandalorian, what the story's going to be. And then we moved to this quiet, wooded, you know, f- they're, they're farming like, what? what is it that they're farming again? Like those I little forget. like blue shrimp? Yeah. Those cool little blue shrimp? I bet those taste good. I bet. Um, With some yeah, green milk? Indigo oh, shrimp. So good. <laughs> green milk? So good. Yes, I um, love that green milk. It's all just food that's the wrong color in this, in this canon. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it can't be did, red shrimp. <laughs> we also see the Mandalorian struggle with like, but they all speak English. Maybe wanting a peaceful life in this one too, and it just gets uh, stripped away from him yeah. immediately because yeah, they're like, you, "Oh great, you get to a have that hope until the first commercial break." So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, screwed. Well, and and that's we just see more. And Brian, this is this is something I want to talk to you about. Is we see more Imperial remnant, like we see an ATST, but no Imperials, and these guys just have hijacked it. I mean, that's. I just. I guess I want to know from you what what that says more about when the Empire kind of left everything after Palpatine died. What that void did, and where that leaves the galaxy as a whole. Well, for all intents and purposes, there was an infinite amount of military hardware extant in the galaxy. Sure. You know, we're talking about a military force that was that would routinely mine through the core of planets just to get raw materials, and. That they would leave hardware behind as they ev- evacuated is very. I mean, we do that. The United mm-hmm. States leaves untold millions of dollars worth of hardware behind because it's not worth transporting back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that makes and sense. Then they, I, and then I, they turn into the Taliban. But yeah. also think oh like the Jesus. empire's broken <laughs> and like their their currency doesn't mean anything to them anymore. So they need to make money elsewhere. And think of like Russia when they broke down. Right. They had to like they were selling their their planes and their tanks and stuff on the black market. You don't sure, think the on, empire on was selling a ATAT here and there like oh, Absolutely. Whatever. We got a couple of these. Give me some credits. Whatever Walker squad had control of that when the empire shut down were like, "We'll live like kings." And and probably yeah. just sold it off for, you know, three Not weeks imperial worth credits, of government though. cheese. Those are no nah. good here. Yeah, they're no good. They don't spend. Give me some well, he, did, he said they spend, but I mean, like that currency amongst the rest of the galaxy now that the new republic is is there is like the imperial credits are worth nothing. So You're trying like to broke. spend Confederate money in the 1800s. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So and that's kind of what need, they were like, man. They need when some the cash. Civil War, Civil War was over, and these guys were like, all right, well, I guess we just right. got to go home, right? Here is a, a metric ton of imperial credits. Can I get a cheeseburger? It, if it, so, what this episode said to me, and I think it can get lost in the sauce. The the main overarching theme of this episode, with the you know the Jurassic Park vibes, and you know a little bit of like Lord of the Rings, like Helm's Deepish vibes too. You know, you you get these different 
um, visual themes that I think block the overarching theme. And I think the, the main overarching thing that I don't want people to forget about is the, the fact that even in a galaxy where the good guys have won and it's been, you know, five to six years of the New Republic ruling, there's still just not a peaceful planet that this Mandalorian can just sit at for a month and, and find peace and find a space where he can let this child grow and be on his own and be safe. And, you know, whether that be a bunch of pirate raiders with stolen Imperial equipment or whether that be bounty hunters that are sniping at them from the woods. You know, I think it just says a lot about how much the galaxy needs to grow as a whole and how much Star Wars can often be described as a very binary themed uh, binary themed story with light and dark. But this is such an important episode that identifies how chaotic and gray and unsure the situation can actually be. You know, whereas when we see Rey facing Palpatine, we know you either become a Sith or you beat him. It's very easy. It's it's black and white, it's light and dark. But in this episode, there's a lot of confusion and I really appreciated that they took the time to sit there and, and spend time on this planet. And almost, people call it a filler episode, but I like that it it shows that the Mandalorian did something wrong. It's like a mistake he makes by thinking he can find peace. Um, and that's, to me, the overarching theme of this episode and something I want to remember and I think people should use for their own lives where you might make a decision I think it's the best one and that'll bring you well-being and peace, but it may not. And you really need to flesh this stuff out before you make a final decision like that. And that's just something that struck me on the rewatch that uh, kind of hit home for me, I guess. But I don't know if any if any overarching themes hit you guys. Um, we got about just got more like five of, more minutes to talk about this one. Just more of it, his yeah. inner conflict with, you know, trying to do the right thing for the child. Mm-hmm. I like seeing that, you know. And it's like every every time he tries to do the right thing, like you said, he gets he gets boned. You know, something bad happens. Sure. So it's, you know, seeing that, and this is the buildup, you know, and this is leading us to, you know, the end of this season and, and even more, you know, just seeing where he comes from and knowing his background because, you know, like we all know, everything that happens to even any of us, our backgrounds have a lot to do with shaping the way we do things, but it doesn't mean that we have to do them a certain way either. So he's kind of coming to grasp with that, and mm-hmm. uh, I look forward to seeing him keep going down in this his path of good decisions hopefully he uh catches a break any piece that existed before the fall of the empire existed entirely under the thumb of the empire mm-hmm. so while the new republic has been in power for five years that we're pretty far out from coruscant so all of the bad guys who've basically just been wishing they had free reign to do what they wanted but were afraid of imperial reprisal Hev's like, oh, great. Like, now we can just wreck shop, to coin a phrase, with, uh, you know, until the New Republic comes and settles things down, which clearly they have not managed to do in five years. It's, yeah. It, it begs the real world question. I'm sorry to continue to draw this analogy, but how long did it take before Iraq was uh, peaceful? Sure. Uh, let me check my watch. I believe we're still working on that one. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when you, when you cut the head off the empire, the empire doesn't die it just sort of becomes more chaotic. So I'm sure the New Republic would love to bring peace to this planet, but there's just only so much peace. You know, they got to still, they got to build up to it. And that's something that that I'm surprised nobody else touched on. I loved the battle tactics in this episode. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, there's a lot to to be said of warfare. Yeah, of of what, you know, what the Mandalorian's going through and the introduction of Cara Dune and, and all this stuff. But like seeing this, guerrilla warfare waged against a fully functional ATST was was brilliant to me and that's some of my favorite parts of Rogue One and I, I know I've, I've mentioned this to you guys before but some I just like seeing realistic tactics like in Rogue One in the Jedi marketplace when we see um, Saw Gerrera guys taking out that Imperial tank come back to the Clone Wars and when Ahsoka is on Onderon we see her teach Saw Gerrera that tactic and then mm-hmm. to see that used in Rogue One was just a brilliant moment for me. And so, so to be able to see, yeah, that's how you would take on a walking tank like that. And that's it's sort like of, a, oh, sorry, go ahead, Brian. I was just having them like lure it into walking into the swamps and fall over. Like it harkens back to how we learned to take out the the Adats in, in Empire. Yeah, that. Like, oh yeah, it's it's a powerful weapons platform, 
but it is 30 feet on the air on two chicken legs. Like, let's let's tip her over there, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sweep the leg, Johnny. Yeah. I, I, I love Go how it's a common Cobra trope. Kai. Cobra Kai. <laughs> I love how it's a common trope, though, where, like, like two, like, warriors will teach, like, this village how to fight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it happens, it happens in the Clone Wars a couple of times. Like... Um, like uh, Anakin and um, Aya Sakura or whatever, like help that village of like little like I don't know they were like ferrets or something. I, yeah, I forget their species they had the name. No, yeah, no you gotta come away from my people. And then they sounded like that. Oh, I forgot or about that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks for the That's voice, Daniel. That placed it for me. It's um, a great episode. But yeah, that a lot of Star Wars poetry in this time. episode, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of Star yeah. Wars poetry. It's something mm-hmm. that can get lost in the sauce until you really sit there and be like, look at what they're doing and brian you said you referenced kurosawa this is seven samurai exactly all like, four of it, these episodes are really good and stopping felt, after the fourth one is a good break because it really it, is yeah. kind of a nice standalone i think it, felt it gives you time east. to breathe and remember what star wars is without always having here's a mandalorian here's a jedi here's yeah. it, it here's it, a lightsaber here's something yeah stop hitting you times. with all the Stops hitting you with all the you know the big things and takes a step back to really get subtle with everything. I mean, think of what this episode did for the bone broth industry. I mean, that alone through the Who roof. Didn't have bone broth that roof. week. This came out. Speaking of, I'm having soup. I mean, Baby Yoda playing with the frog and the kids. They thought they oh, were going to settle gosh. down. He thought he was going to settle down. He was really conflicted about ending yeah. his like like living uh, his life there. Yeah. So well, so, it's it, like you said earlier. Favreau is one of us. He's a fan yeah. and has been a yeah. fan most of his life. And uh, he, he puts every ounce of his love of the genre and of the story into these shows. And I was expecting to watch this like homework. Like, well, I'm a Star Wars guy. I guess I better watch this show about some Mandalorian I never heard. Of. And five minutes into the first episode, oh boy, when's the next one? Yeah, and, Brian was slowly taking all his clothes off while he watched it. He <laughs> thought he was going to hate it. And next thing you know, he's pantless. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's water. Oh, yeah, it, sure it's, is warm. It's such a great addition to the to the storyline. This is just the you know one more chapter, and by the time this was done, I just couldn't wait for the next week. It's so well done. Um, I got Disney Plus just to watch this show. I have a two year old. I still only got Disney Plus to watch the show. <laughs> Hundred one Dalmatians and Moana. It's kind a of lot of grown men did. I watched a lot on Disney Plus to be honest. No I, think, I think Steve's family uses my Disney Plus more than I do. Um, Absolutely. But, so Miller. Uh, so so I think I think we've we've broken down this episode uh, perfect. I think we've touched on a lot of things that that I think are way beyond the surface level stuff. Um, Miller, if you want to go ahead and and close this out, plug in everything that's happening in the world of Bro Axiom, like go nuts. Tell us all all the different quick shots and episodes and things that have come out in the last few weeks or that are coming out in the next few weeks and uh, let everyone, including us, know where we can find that stuff. Sure. Um, so you can go to the Roaxium YouTube where we have our quick shots of Roaxium. Uh, we review, well, we preview comics, spoiler free. We kind of walk you into the first couple pages and then we make sure that we save all of the good stuff for you. Um, and and we just do no some spoilers. videos on it to hype you up. Like we hype you up and and get you wanting to read the comics because they are like the Vader series has been so oh. freaking amazing lately. That Greg Pak has been killing it. Like it's it's been fantastic what this dude's been doing with Vader. And you don't think that like you can like how many comic books can you write about this guy? And you'd be surprised how we haven't reached writers. the end yet. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you haven't. You wouldn't be surprised how three different writers can give you three different like versions of Vader that are all the same guy that all feels like the same guy, but definitely mm-hmm. gives you this different flavor each time, and it's really no. good. It's it's really good. So it's good. Vader in between, you know, the B sides of like you know all three of the prequels, and it's and it's so awesome. You know what I it is, man? It. It's because you you can feel you. They they do a good job in those comics of get letting you feel the conflict. You know. Yeah. He knows he's a dirtball and he's like, Man, I really screwed up and like every step he takes it just But then like the monster a... will take over again and like he's right. like back the to dragon people. Yeah, it's it's yeah. so the dragon, awesome. thank you, Gear Gerard. <laughs> it's so good. Greatest it's so good. Ever. That but, reminds me in, in Lord of the Lords of the Sith, there's a really nice moment when Vader tells Palpatine that someone or another has failed them for the last time. No, sorry, it's not Lords of the Sith, it's in the Vader comic. Early on in the Vader comic run. Yeah. He says he's failed us for the last time, and, and Palpatine, out of the clear blue sky, and what of you, Lord Vader? 
when will you fail me for the last time? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. jab him, jab him. You know him. what? Check out Quick Shot and you'll see all of that stuff. Yeah, Quick Shots are great. Um, and we also have a podcast where we, we talk to different content creators, um, different podcasters, YouTubers, uh, shooting the poodoo. Uh, last episode, we had Steel Saunders on from Steel Wars <laughs> Podcast. Steel so yeah, he was, he was a delight. He was so awesome to have on. Funny. Very just down to earth, great guy to talk to, and that's basically what the podcast format is. We we talk about them and how they got their Star Wars journey going with their podcasting and all that, how it all started, how they mm-hmm. got to where they are. Um, and he's got that weird New Jersey accent, though. Oh yeah, so New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steel, and yeah. you know, and then we just shoot the poodoo about Star Wars, um, and then. We've adopted these uh, new guys who are freaking great. Um, the Star Bros podcast. Uh, they're straight out of you know Philly area. Um, ben Skywalker and Jan Solo, <laughs> and um, they they're super chill podcast. These guys are great. They have great discussions. I mean, they just break down. You know, the last uh, episode they talked about Solo. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's re- Brian, you would probably love this episode. That yeah. sounds yeah. really interesting, actually. Um, the agency of droids. Yeah, oh. so, you know, it's these guys are great. I love them. Um, they're, they're great dudes, you know. Uh, so since we brought them on, uh, I've been listening to their stuff, and, it's, and we've been sharing it like crazy, and we've been collaborating. So uh, check the Star Bros podcast out. They're on Apple Podcasts. And um, that's about it. Before we wrap it up, Brian and Leahy, Drop your Twitter handles. Oh, yeah. I am uh, at Leahy Gaga on Twitter. I've been talking about a lot of not Star Wars stuff lately. I either talk about, let's see, sports, uh, food, Star Wars, or Overwatch. Love your tweets. Those are my four things I usually tweet about, and the occasional joke that I don't think I think is funny. I usually just don't get (laughs) your Overwatch tweets. That's about it. Yeah, it's that's a whole well, Overwatch season just ended, so I'm getting back into the <laughs> hardcore Star Wars zone, especially Mandalorian's helping that. But uh, I, I will, uh, I'll be definitely talking about more Star Wars here in the next few months. Brian, I I tweet at uh, at your Palpatine, but I have a two year old and I and I travel for a living, so I have not tweeted. I don't remember the last thing I tweeted. So uh, if you're interested in finding me online, find me at the Sith Library and Archives on Facebook, where I post as Darth Corosis. It's a well it's a curated collection of dark of uh, dark side culture jokes art whatever what have you. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. and my personal Twitter is at Stay on Target forty two. Yes, that was Miller. Shameless plug. <laughs> you should be shameless. I am at Gerard Bear. If you have any questions, comments, criticisms, you could always join the join the bandwagon and tweet at me. Tell us what's terrible. If you want sure uh, want anything answered, or if you have any comments about the show, you could always tweet us or message us on the, in the Facebook group or whatever. And um, look forward to next week when we go over episodes four through eight, which are pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. In our recap before five through eight. What did I say? Four. Yeah. No, oh, you're good. You're good. Five through eight. I'm not mm-hmm. good at math. <laughs> it's well, it's we, getting late. We on literally just did four. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. But we're looking forward to that. It's going to be fun. And then we start with the new episodes. They will be a week mm-hmm. from Friday. I will, be up, I will not be up as early as Leahy watching it, but I will be watching it that morning. And then because we all know how hard it is to stay offline, you got to watch it or, you know. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting up off. an hour earlier every morning for work that day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. on Fridays. Smart move. Yeah, I'm getting up an hour early. I'm watching it, and then I'm going to get my shower. You know what I mean? It's going to be a whole ritual for this season. Like, I'm doing it. Brian, don't, like rise of, morning. don't rise of Skywalker yourself and go online <laughs> into a Star Wars group before you watch it. Yeah, no, I was I was foolish. It was 11 p.m. on West Coast. I don't know what I was thinking. Go to Facebook, much less go into the Alliance of Star Wars Fanatics, where we would be discussing it. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you had notice ahead of time, though, or anything. We'd be that's, talking about it. right? That's okay. Weren't we live streaming at that point? But Yeah. No. There were four things that I said Rise of Skywalker better not do, or I would be outraged, and they did three of them, and I loved them all. Yeah. The only thing, I remember you saying a few of those it. things, me being like, oh, dude, yeah. I think they're going to do They did stick to my, my one hard line was they did not bring bring back Plagueis. That's all I just don't yeah, don't make Plagueis. Ba- you I and I have you very specific feelings about that. Yeah. The, the Plagueis line is a certain line that you cross a certain mythological line that to me is I don't, you'd, you'd have to uh, 
rectify that in a pretty. It would uh, change the entirety of Palpatine's character throughout the entire original trilogy and ever since. So, agree. Well, listen, but when we get a break, the other between stuff, episodes, good stuff. We're gonna end up with with this probably gonna be a week or two where we don't get an episode. I'd love to do a Plagueis discussion. That book oh, is awesome. You, do you? Present. Do you want us to do that? I am here for that. I do. I think it would be amazing because it will just be yeah. completely bananas. Brian, so, what did it, it – That would on be a, a curveball. <laughs> on a former show, you and I did what? Four hours almost? Yep. Three separate shows yeah. just on Darth Plagueis? Yeah. So we can talk about this. The, yeah, the we'll novel, that is, not just the character. Awesome. Like we, oh, yeah. yeah. No, yes. the, the, yeah, the, the book is so good. Oh, it's so good. Oh, but, the book gosh. is what inspired me to get into, into voice acting and, and palpatining. See, we're going down the Karasik hole again. Here we're we gonna go. Pull, <laughs> we're going to pull out of it. Welcome to my hole, guys. And we're going <laughs> to we're gonna go, and uh, we're all going to go rest up, because uh, a week from now, we got to do this again. And uh, mm-hmm. we're looking forward to it. So hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll catch you on the next one. I have spoken. <laughs> <laughs>